The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Remain standing and uh, take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Acts. Oh, actually, why don't you just sit down for a second? Acts 15, uh, 13, Acts 13. No notes for you tonight. We usually do that, but I wanted the liberty to be able to go wherever I needed to go at the moving of the Holy Spirit. Morning prayer was. Um, Well, you know, there's like good, and then there's great, and then there's like a measure of the glory. And, and really, morning prayer had a measure of. You're saying the glory of God came? A measure of it. Because when the glory of God comes, there's nobody like praying. There's nobody ministering. Everybody's out. Everybody's on the floor, overwhelmed, by God's power and presence. You say, well, I've never experienced that. Well, you can. Because Jesus died on a cross and rose again from the grave. You've been given passport. You've been given privilege. You can boldly come before the throne of grace. And it's not some pretend throne. It's real. He has a throne in heaven. And you can come before His throne and experience His power, experience His presence, and be so overwhelmed that the things of the world go strangely dim. Hear the sound of angels' wings and see glory on each face. There's a place where the burden and the yoke will be destroyed. There's a place in God. Religion and tradition are the two twin sisters from hell and will rob you from freedom in Christ. Tonight, I've organized this message. I have 18 pages. Not quite sure how we'll get through that. But I just kept rolling and and so we're just going to trust God to say what He wants to say. I've organized it into three simple parts. First, I want to talk about a process we see in the Old Testament. And secondly, I want to look at the life of David and the purpose that God gave him. The purpose for David. I'm going to look at that. Finding our text in Acts 13, verse 36. You can turn there now. And then I want to give you some prophetic perspectives on that purpose and making application for our life now. He said, you've lost me. Well, just hang on there. It'll be all right. Come on, look at your neighbor and say it's going to be all right. Book of Acts. Chapter 13. Most Bibles say the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's how the Holy Spirit moved through the early church, the men that he assembled and set apart. Acts chapter 13, find verse 36. All right, let's stand for this part. Stand up if you would, please, if you're able to. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. For David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep 
and was buried with our fathers and saw corruption. I want to look at the New International Version, please. Now, when David served God's purpose, this really kind of puts it a little bit differently. We get a, a better understanding of what that text is saying. Now, when David served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for what you're going to do tonight. Move, giving us living understanding. Mark us by this service. We're not here to fulfill religious obligation or play some little religious game to ease our conscience. We're here to minister to you and to hear from heaven and to receive what you would want to say, what you would want to do, even fresh impartation tonight. Might we never be the same. We'd never be the same after tonight. Move us further down the field, I pray, of the purposes of God. I bind, gag, muzzle every voice and every demonic assignment that would try to hinder this message, even that which would try to retaliate afterwards in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. From that text, we understand that God has a purpose for David, or had a purpose, and his purpose was fulfilled. But from that and from many others, you find that you have a purpose. I have a purpose. We have a purpose, individually and corporately. Two of the most profound examples of apostles and prophets working together in the Old Testament and then the New. In the Old Testament, apostles and prophets, is Samuel, Old Testament prophet through which none of his words fell to the ground. And David, which I would say fulfills an apostolic role. And then in the New Testament, John the Baptist being the prophet and Jesus being the, the apostle. Samuel and David is, they're interesting. Samuel, as I said, one of the most powerful Old Testament prophets of all. At his word, weather patterns changed. He went to Bethlehem and they said, is it peace, Samuel? Because they're freaked out that he might call down something. They wanted to know if it's going to be okay. Samuel, is it all right? He said, yeah, that's good. That's the kind of man of God he was. The very essence of his ministry was not signs and wonders, though. Think about what was the purpose of Samuel the prophet. Now, some of you don't know uh, the story that I'm talking about, Samuel and David. First and second Samuel's also told in Chronicles. Some of you don't know because you haven't read or maybe you're new in the Lord, but it's most tremendous to, to read your word. Read your word. It'll, it'll, it'll change your life. What is the purpose of Samuel? Well, he was used to bring the coronation to Saul who failed miserably. Saul was king. Tall, head and shoulders above everybody else. Actually, Israel wanted a theocracy, but they, uh, God wanted Israel to have a theocracy. He wanted to be their, their lawgiver, their judge, and their king. That's what God wanted to be. But all the nations around them had kings. So they said, give us a king already. Even though the Lord wanted to be the king for them, they couldn't swallow that because of the pressures of, of the nations around them. And they wanted to be like the Joneses, if I could just say it that way. And so they insisted on having a king. And Finally, the Lord's like, fine, you're going to like it so much. 
And Samuel's chosen, uh, used to, to pick at the direction of the Holy Spirit, God's guidance, Saul. Saul fails. And the anointing leaves him. And, and God uses Samuel. And I believe that the purpose of Samuel's life, born for the purpose, the main purpose of his life, was to find the man who would be crowned and would basically fulfill the subjugation, subjugation of Canaan's land. What are you talking about? You see, Moses was given a mandate by God, and he failed, and Joshua was given a mandate by God to go take Canaan's land and to evict all of the, uh, all of the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Moabites, to, to get all the ites out. And they did a great, I mean, they got off to a good start. But they didn't finish it. They didn't finish the job. And the different tribes were given lands and so on and so forth that they didn't drive out the inhabitants. They failed actually at fulfilling the mandate that God gave Moses and passed on to Joshua. And Joshua failed. And I believe one of the main purposes of Samuel's life is to find a man who would finish the job of taking of Canaan's land. And so he is used to find David. The essence of the prophetic is to point to the apostolic. And so the, the prophet finds David. And, and it says in Acts 13 that we read, David served God's purpose. He did what? He served God's purpose in his own generation. He fell asleep. In other words, when his purpose was done, he passed. Now I'm going to tell you that I believe that you have a purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you, a, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. You've got a purpose for you. You've got a purpose. You're, you're here. You're breathing. God's purpose is not for you to suffer, although suffering is a part of life and even a part of walking in Christ. But suffering due to our own foolishness and living in sin, that's not God's will. You can live for the Lord and, and still go through suffering. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been persecuted a little bit? I don't think anybody's been burned at the stake because I see that we're all here. You know, you read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Anybody know that? That's, a, that's a, a book of a bygone generation and most people don't read it. I think every new believer ought to read Fox's Book of Martyrs just so you remind yourself of really, you don't have it really bad at all, actually. When I read through these testimonies of these men of God that are burned at the stake for their faith, and I can't recall which one it was. I need to probably go look again. But he told his disciples, he said, they made a deal. They said, when you're burned at the stake, they knew he was going to die. He's, he's awaiting death. He said, when you're burned at the stake, if God protects you from the pain and you sense his presence and the glory, you know, hold up, hold up one finger. And so he's tied to the stake. He's tied to the stake, and he's, he's, he's like this. They start the fire. His flesh starts burning off, and you see him just go like this, as, as, as the records say. He's holding a finger, and then he holds two, and then three, and then four, and then all his hands are up as he dies in the glory, I believe. Like Stephen. Rocks bouncing off of his head. Listen, we don't have to worry about how that all is going to pan out. Some of you might have the gift of martyrdom, the gift you give once. 
But you have a purpose. There's a purpose for you. There's a purpose for me. And I believe that God has a purpose for our church here in the state of Alaska. What was David's purpose? It was really to fulfill the subjugation, subjugation of land. Something that Joshua started but didn't finish. And as David's purpose to God was to bring the, the completion of the conquest, if you could say it that way, the same is true of Jesus. What do you mean, Pastor Daniel? You see, Jesus came into the earth. Why? Why did Jesus come? That he might destroy the works of the devil. And he came into the earth to do what? To seek and save the lost. Correct? And really, the, 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 the conquest now is, is Matthew 28 is really the conquest now that every nation, every tribe, and every tongue would hear the glorious gospel of the kingdom of God. And so what Jesus came and started actually he came to live in your heart, came to live in my heart. For what purpose? To reach every nation. To reach people. To heal the sick, to set the captives free, to bring the kingdom of God everywhere that we go. That is really your purpose in life, along with what he's called you to do. Whatever model, whatever vehicle you use to do that. If you're a plumber, then you do it under the glory of God. If you're a carpenter, you do it under the glory of God. If you're a contractor, you do it under the glory of God for His will, for His plan, to release resources and to touch lives. It's not just to do your own thing. And I've just talked about some marketplace things, business, business, uh, business owner or, or working for a printing company or a school teacher, an educator or in the military. It's for God's purpose. And I believe that every single one of us are called. See, sometimes, you know, in decades before, they said, you're called, then that was like, you're called to the ministry. I have a news flash for you. I can't stand the term lay person. Layman. How many of you know what layman is? It just doesn't even sound good. What is, it, what is a layman? Well, that is, a, that is a, a word that was created by theologians and people in ministry for those who are a part of the body of Christ, but they're not in the fivefold, maybe. Maybe they're not, maybe they're not pastors or evangelists. They're not, they don't have those kinds of giftings, but they're, they're a part of the church and they serve. I believe that every single one of us can be used by God in a unique way, and that you should be doing exactly what God called you to do. And in doing exactly what God called you to do, that would really mean that you're ordained in whatever you're doing, if you're doing it under the Lord, and He called you to do it. So you can be an ordained plumber. Ordained by who? By Jesus. He said, I don't have any wait, papers. Where's your papers? She had papers. I got the blood of Jesus over me. He lives on the inside of me. When they spent time with uh, Jesus, and then they cast out devils, and he ascended, and, and the Holy Spirit came filled them. They got arrested, and they got in trouble. And they said, these are simple, ignorant fishermen. And they marveled at their boldness, their speech that couldn't be denied. They marveled at the miracles, and they said, they noticed they had been with Jesus. Listen, being with Jesus will change you. Being with Jesus will, will transform your heart transform your life. Spending time in the Word, 
God's got a plan for you, sir, ma'am, brothers, sisters. God's got a plan. And furthermore, if, if you're not having an exhilarated walk with God, something's wrong. If your walk with Jesus is boring, you better check yourself, if I can quote Pastor Vince, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because a bored believer is a weak believer. And if you're bored, it's only because you've not been impacted by things that, of heaven. You've not spent time in His presence. Maybe you've been seduced by the TV. Maybe you've been seduced by your phone. Maybe you're not doing that, having that quiet time that God wants to meet you and He's waiting to meet you in that quiet time you never had. When you're enthralled by the throne, there is an exhilaration that fills your heart. It changes you. It's better than anything. His love is better than wine, says the Song of Solomon. Wine is a picture of all the world might have to offer. His love and a revelation of His love and a revelation of His throne is better than anything this world has to offer. Anything. But some are waiting for the sovereignty of God to come and visit them on their bed while they rest and sleep. After filling their bellies with choice meats and fruits and vegetables and dessert, hoping one day God's going to visit them while they sleep. I'm going to tell you that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And you can be as on fire as you want to be. And if you want to have revival, then just put a circle around you. I know I'm getting a little bit aggressive tonight. But I've had people say, well, I just don't have the kind of peace I used to have. Dude, fast. I, I, I don't really walk in the power. God, make a choice. Get hungry. Get desperate. Position yourself. Repent. Push yourself away from the table. Skip a few meals and start praying. <laughs> Thinking maybe I should take my own advice. Hallelujah. If we're going to complete the call of the mandate of Matthew 28, we need new wine. And we need new wine in the new wineskin. Just like David. There are some new wars that have broken out among us. You say, what are you talking about? It's an interesting thing if you look at the life of David, and the, there's parallels uh, in Christendom today. In, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, David is made king over all Judah and, and Israel. He's made king. And it's fascinating that he's attacked by the Jebusites. These men have gathered to him. This conquest of Jerusalem. Now, let, let, me, let me just look at this for a moment. It actually wasn't part of my message. It was minding my own business, and the Lord told me. The Lord told me, you teach him about swimming up the water shaft. And I thought, I know where that is, and I know what the water shaft is. You don't know yet, but you'll find out in a second. I thought, wow, that's uh, heavy. Listen, God's got a plan for you. The devil's heard about it. And he's a defeated foe. If, if, in fact, you stay under the covering of the shadow of his wings. But he's also, uh, he's angry and he, he rages because he knows his time is short. David, this is an interesting uh, thing and I, I, I didn't get a chance to 
study this all out, so you'll just bear with me a little bit here, if you will. David's anointed king over Judah in second book of Samuel, chapter 2. He's anointed king over Judah. Ishbosheth is made king over Israel, chapter 8. There's a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David in chapter 3. Abner joins forces with David in verse 6 of chapter 3. Joab murders Abner, chapter 3, verse 22. Ishbosheth is murdered. David reigns over all Israel. Let, let's read this for a moment. Then the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron, verse 1, chapter 5, 2 Samuel. Indeed, you are now bone of my bone of our flesh, which is a Hebrew idiom. I was just talking to somebody about that. Which is quite a thing. It's the same, it's really the same idiom used in marriage. This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Adam talking to the first woman. He was pretty excited about it. It's like, woohoo! This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is that which completes me, my partner. This is what they're saying to David. Covenant relationship. i got to stop right there. You will never fulfill the calling that God has for you if you don't develop covenant relationships. They're absolutely vital to your walk with the Lord. And if you're not willing to be transparent and let your guard down and let somebody else in and give them your shut-up card, that's when somebody can tell you to shut up when you're wrong and you listen and sit down. You don't have those kind of relationships, men, women, you won't make it. Because the devil will whoop up a storm on you and you'll think you'll have it all together and the next week you'll be cream. We need each other. In fact, if you look at the armor of Ephesians, the, the, the strength of the Roman army was not in that each guy was a great fighter and had, had a great shield. The strength of the Roman army was that they could fight together and their shields interlocked. The shield of faith. Listen, if you just have your shield of faith and you're just out there in your diapers, I'm just going to tell you, your shield of faith ain't going to work. Now, there's a moment of Gethsemane, but there's a moment of Gethsemane where somebody's a stone's throw away, but you're by yourself. You need to learn to stand and then strengthen yourself with the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, I just wouldn't make it without my brothers. I wouldn't make it without my wife. I wouldn't make it without the Pastor Vince's in my life and the different ones I'm accountable to. That I can say, you know what, I'm weary, man. I need prayer. I'm confused right now. You say, do you get confused sometimes? Look, God's not the author of confusion, but there's times when the enemy hits you. What do you do? How are you going to fulfill your purpose if you don't have somebody you're standing and walking with? You won't make it. Come on, all the older people, give me an amen. Amen. Oh, we get a lot of older people in here. Praise God. It's just true. Do, 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 you, know, do you know when you hear from, when you, you remember when you were younger, or maybe really young, and somebody said, now listen to me. Somebody told me this when I was your age, and I didn't listen. I want you to just listen. I'm going to tell you something. And you're like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Do you know what I found out? Every one of those dudes were right. <laughs> and I thought, man, now as I'm, as I'm growing up, and I hear somebody tell me that, I go, dude, I'm on it. You know, somebody that's walking with the Lord and knows, somebody more mature than me. And they say, you have to have this. I take that. I'm, I, don't, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. Good, I got to have that. He says, I got to got. I believe it. Amen. He's walked. He's been faithful to his wife. All his kids serve God. He's in his 70s. 
He's full of faith. He's full of fire. Maybe he's in his 80s, and he's telling you, son, listen to me. It's a biblical thing he says. How about you think you listen? Just saying. So what happens here is David goes to take Jerusalem, which is a profound piece of real estate. And verse 6, the king and his men went to Jerusalem. So here's these covenant relationships. Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. It's, it's like bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We're saying, they're saying, David, we're in covenant with you. We're, we are like one. We will not leave you. We won't do this thing. United in purpose. David was 30 years old, which is interesting. Because Jesus was 30 years old when he started his ministry. And priests were 30 years old when they started theirs. David was 30 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 40 years. Verse 6, it says, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites. So here's the Jebusites. Jebusite means a strong polluter. That's what it means. And so here's this land that actually was supposed to be taken by God's people, but they hadn't done it. They didn't follow through. And so they, they, they come to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, here's what the Jebusites say. You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you. Basically, in other words, dude, are you kidding yourself? We could just put blind guys up and lame people to fight you. We're going to go watch our show on TV. The lame and the blind people, they're going to be the ones that battle against you because that's how lame you are. You ain't so getting up here that our lame people are better than you. This, it's like a spirit of trash talk. Anybody know what trash talking is? I learned that. I never, my parents didn't teach me that. I learned that on the, on the line of the, as a defensive lineman. That's where I learned trash talk. I was a little kid in peewee football. And I lined up against this really mean little boy. <laughs> I was this sweet little kid. So I thought. And we line up and he says, I'm going to hit you so hard. Your relatives are going to hurt. I'm like, really? I was like 10 years old. And he drilled me into the ground two or three times. And talked about my mother. I mean, I was, I really, I was like crying and stuff. I told my dad, I got drilled. I told my dad the story. He says, son, you're much bigger and faster than I am. I saw the whole thing. Just cream them next time you're in practice. I thought, okay. <laughs> so we got there, and he starts intimidating me again. I'm going to hit you so hard. I said, dude, I'm going to run you over, man. Guess what? I ran him over. They, they got trash talk against, against David. Hey, you can't even get up here because you're lame. You're so lame that all our extra lame people and the blind people, too, are going to fight you because we're just going to be eating hummus and stuff up here. And you can't have, we're just going to. Look what David does. It says, nevertheless. Everybody say, nevertheless. Come on, the devil wants to keep you from, from fulfilling the conquest of fulfilling and walking out your destiny. The enemy wants to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ from every, every nation. He doesn't want it to happen. It's too late. He wants to keep your neighbor in bondage. And the enemy would try to whisper to you and say, well, you can't do anything. You, what can you do? 
Your life's hardly even together. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. Here's what he said. Now David said on that day, whoever climbs up by the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who were hated by David's soul. <laughs> He's trash talking. So David says, all right, look, here's the deal. Whoever crawls up by the water, they get this strategy. There's a water shaft that they didn't expect someone would go up because it's not a water shaft. It's a sewage pipe. Study it out. It's sewage. So they... They're thinking, oh, David can't get up here. They got the gate locked. They've got their soldiers in place. There's no way up. And Jerusalem is up on a, on a mountain. It's up on a hill. It's a, it's a wonderful stronghold. And they knew they had to take it. And there's no way in. Except they had this great idea. Let's swim up the sewer pipe. Has it? Listen, I just got a camper. I usually, I usually don't deal with sewage. I usually don't deal with sewage. I learned this, this new stuff that I really didn't know what it was, but now that I have a camper, I've learned about this thing called black water. Does anybody know what black water is? It's black, and it's nasty. You know why? It's all the... Yeah, that's what it is. It's sewage. And so I've learned how to empty my tanks. You know, it's convenient. You have a toilet out there in the wilderness. Not so nice to empty it. Can you imagine a whole city? A whole city is actually an aqueduct system that took all the waste, being a gentleman, took all the waste out and down the water shaft. And so they came up with this strategy, we can take the city because we're going to send somebody up the black water pipe to go open the gate, basically. And whoever does it is going to get this reward. I'm going to tell you something. In life, you're going to have to swim that thing. I've found that if I keep my mouth closed, I can get up the pipe faster. And it's more pleasant. I just... Just keep swimming. Some of you are going through some stuff. It's like obstacles on the way to your destiny. It's like, it's like this piles of stuff in front of you. Swim through it. Just keep going. Zip your mouth. Keep on point. Do what God told you to do. If somebody doesn't like it, they can lump it. And just keep swimming and fulfill the purpose that God has for you. There is a mighty anointing that's on your life. It's waiting for you. It's actually waiting for you. And you just need to reach up and to receive it. I remind you of prophetic words that I personally prophesied over you all those years ago on the island of Kauai. I saw you leading youth. I saw you as a tremendous intercessor. When you walked in a room, you changed the very atmosphere of the place, the joy that was upon your life. I don't know if you remember it, but I do. I do remember that. And I prophesy to you that God has a great plan for you. And you are in the sewer pipe right now. 
You need to continue to swim. Do the things that those that are around you are telling you to do. And you will find the enemies fall by the right and the left. The enemies in your own mind. And even some circumstantial things. It's not about a job. It's not about making money. It's about fulfilling God's purpose for you in the earth. And I charge you to do it. You'll never be satisfied doing anything else. Nobody can tell you what that is. God can tell you. He's speaking to you. I break off every assignment of the enemy, Lord. Any kind of discouragement. Lord, thank you for this precious daughter of yours. And I call forth destiny tonight. Jesus' name. Samuel had a purpose. It was to find David. David's purpose was to finish the job. It's a type and a shadow of the New Testament. John the Baptist pointed to the one who would become greater than he. He must decrease. I, he must increase. I must decrease, pointing to Jesus. For this reason, Jesus was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil, that he would seek and save the lost, that he would be the true shepherd, the good shepherd that would go out. He would give his life as a ransom, as a propitiation for our sin. He, that he would give his life on a cross and, and die on a cruel Roman cross and rise again from the grave in fulfillment of over 300 scriptures in the Old Testament talking about him doing such. And he did. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. And he fulfilled it. He was in the earth, in the belly of hell for three days, took the keys of hell and death, rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then he appeared to people for some many, many days, 40 days, appearing to people. His own disciples had a hard time believing. Thomas, who was wounded by wounded in his faith because he thought Jesus would come and set up his kingdom. Oh, he's going to come set up his kingdom. That's the next time he comes. They were confused in Isaiah 53 and Thomas having wounded faith said unless I stick my hands in his side and my, my fingers in his hands I won't believe because he had hoped and believed that this superhero Jesus was going to do it. He'd seen him escape over and over again. He knew he'd get out of it, show up, wipe out Rome and be the man. He didn't see him as a suffering servant, didn't know. So when Jesus died and rose again he just couldn't believe it because it was just too horrible. But then he appeared and they had fish together and walked through a wall. You ever wonder what happened to the fish? You ever see that? He ate fish and he walks through a wall. I'm like, where's the fish? The fish like disappeared too. The fish instantly disappeared with Jesus as he went through the wall. The man, I guess he can do anything. Walk on walk. Come on, he's a water walker. Come on. And then he sends the Holy Spirit. Why? He says it would be better for me to go that I might send another. The, 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 the standby, the parakletos, the, the Holy Spirit. Why? So that the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside of your heart. Why? So that you could fulfill that which he started. It is utterly amazing that 12 people and then 120 in an upper room. And now we, thousands of years later, are here with the Word of God declaring, proclaiming the same testimony of his resurrection. There is no other religion that's like that. No, not one. There's not one. And we are called to walk in a new dimension of fire and power and men. Many are selling out and counting on God's sovereignty when God's saying, if you'll come after me, take my yoke upon you, 
My burden is easy and my yoke is light and I will endue you with power from on high and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. God has a plan for you. And when you're not walking in the plan of God, it's a painful life. Joab's the guy that swam the sewer pipe. Got seriously blessed by doing it. We're at a place in our church where the power of God is being manifested in an ever-increasing way. And, you know, revival is, um, is, is it's almost a perception, too. You see, if you believe that there's revival and you start, when I'm, do you know what I mean by revival? Revival is like the man who falls out of the boat and he drowns. But he's rescued and he's pulled ashore, but he's not breathing. His stomach is, is, is pumped. He's revived. CPR is administered. He comes back to life. <gasps> and he takes, that's revival. That's what America needs. America has drowned. America has drowned. And, and God's trying to, trying to bring America back. And he will do that with the church. Listen, I know many people that claim to be in Christ. They are miserable. They're miserable. They have no joy. There's no peace. There's no power. They're filled with bitterness and unforgiveness. It's sad to me. You know what they need? They need revival. They need to be dragged from, from the drowning sorrows of life by the power of the Spirit, have fresh breath breathed back into them that they would revive and find their purpose in God. One of the litmus tests or indicators that you're in your promised land or you're on purpose is that there's lots of giants. Let me say that again. We talked, we talked about on Sunday about storms. You know, there's a God storm and then there's a devil storm. The, the God storm is the one when you're disobeying. So Jonah, he sends you a storm to get you back on track. It's actually the mercy of God. He's trying to sink you so you repent. Amen. Then there's the, the devil storm. There in the book of Luke, they go to cross over to the other side, and there's a demoniac in the region of Gadara. And Jesus is going to set him free, we know, afterwards. As on, he's on his way, and there's a storm and waves that whip up, and everybody's freaking out. I preached on it on Sunday. They wake Jesus up because he was asleep because he went to morning prayer. And he, he rebukes the wind and the waves, and the wind and the waves stop, and the waves fall flat. The word rebuke, God doesn't rebuke himself. And I did a, the meteorologists and news people call them acts of nature, acts of God. Not everything's an act of God, but some things are. Some things an act of the demonic. And this particular case, we know it's an act of the demonic. We know it's, it's, it's interference and the enemy trying to stop what God's purposes were with a storm, we know that because he stood up and rebuked the wind and the waves. 
The word rebuke is the same word for rebuking a devil. It's the same word. It's not there by accident. It's there on purpose. He rebukes the wind and the waves. There's a great peace. They cross over to the other side, and he makes deviled ham for the first time. And then that guy, you'll get that maybe on the way home, that guy that got set free becomes a witness in the Decapolis, the ten cities. He's not even allowed to go with Jesus. He begins to witness and tell all these people about Jesus. And I think he had a great revival. I mean, we don't know. It doesn't say in Scripture. Listen, the giants that you're facing today, they're the, they're the, they're like, let them prophesy to you. Your obstacles that you're facing, listen, listen, watch this now. If there wasn't some gold on the other side, then what's the giant trying to stop you for? If there wasn't some serious bonus kingdom action, come on, somebody say kingdom action. Get some serious kingdom action on the other side, what's the devil all nervous about? What you nervous about, devil? Listen, I say that on a regular basis. I say, but the devil must be nervous. I think he's very nervous. You don't hurl accusations against him. You stay underneath the, the shadow of God's power, and you stay in obedience, and you walk in, in authority humbly before God. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, you'd be smoked, and so would I. You can't fight no devil. Don't ever get it in your head. Oh, I'm going to fight the devil. You're going to lose, slick. Yeah, but by the blood of Jesus and the authority of God, you can, you can rebuke him. You, you fight from a position, I know, devil. I know, devil, I know that you and all your little minions know that Jesus was crucified on a cross, and he died on a cross. He died, and he rose again, and he took your keys, and he took, he took death, and he, and, he, and he took it, and he died in my place, and his blood is over me, and he has given me authority over you, and you got to go. And that's where we just start singing right there. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back. Oh, man, you guys don't got no rhythm, man. We need some rhythm up in here. Listen, you can walk in authority. Know that you can walk in authority, but it's not your authority. It's delegated authority. It's an appointed authority. It's given to you. You're, you're, you're enforcing that which Jesus purchased for you. You're a deputy. All right. There's no giants in the wilderness. There's only giants in the promised land. How many of you facing a giant tonight? Good, let it prophesy to you. Must be in the right place. Well, how many of you facing the water shaft tonight? You're in the water. Keep The size of your giant really indicates the size of destiny that you have. So when you face a big giant, just decide how you're going to cook them. Think differently like David. I've said it so many times before. You think, man, with a head that big, I really can't mess with the rock. I mean, come on. Think differently. Can you say Ben? Let me just get to the, the, the rest of this, and there's no way I'll be able to finish it. But 
I realize that strategically when you begin to make a difference, listen to me now, please. I won't joke. At least maybe, maybe I will joke a little bit. Don't get too serious. When you begin to, when you begin to make, a, make a dent, when you begin to clear a place in the heavenlies, the devil likes showing up in, the, in, in, in circumstances of life. When you begin to make a play, when you begin to clear the heavens, you begin to break through. Many times the devil will try to hit you like he hit David. He'll try to, he'll try to hit you with, I call it the Ziklag before Zion principle. Ziklag is where everything was burned with fire. I've preached on it many times here. Everything's burned with fire. Wives are gone. Kids are gone. Everybody's gone. All the men spoke of stoning David. David encouraged himself in the Lord. It was three days after that, only three days. Three days after that, that he is coronated king. And the enemies heard about your coronation. In actual fact, it's already happened in the spirit once you receive Jesus. He's heard about the breakthrough that God has for you. So he'll try to hit you with a malaise of discouragement and despondency. He'll try to get you to thinking that you're so far away that you, you know, you're just never going to say, because just, I mean, I just ought to throw in the towel. When in fact, you're three days away. You're close. And I've found that it's darkest before the dawn. I see it in Scripture. I've seen it in my own life countless amount of times. And when you see that, let it encourage you. Let it encourage you. It's amazing that a boy virtually unarmed takes out the biggest, ugliest dude. I believe God's got something for us to do here in the state, and God's got something for us to do in America. I think one of the things that's astounding to me, and um, if I could have a Levite, please. One of the things that's astounding to me is that over the past week and a half, I've had those with, with prophetic unction and as well as seasoned prophets tell me the same thing. They don't know each other. It's unsolicited. So they're calling me, they're telling me the same thing. And this is what they're saying. That what God is doing in our church, he wants to go and he wants to make it a nationwide move of the Spirit of God. And that God has chosen actually Alaska. Now, I've heard this from other pastors too, so I don't think that we're the only church. That God wants to use Alaska to drop a bomb of his glory on it. That there would come a real revival where people fly in from around the nation and even around the world. I believe we're building the building that could... How's that at least to start with? I mean, all I could think about on Sunday night, I said to my wife, I leaned over, I said, it's too small. It's just too small. It's too small. Building's too small. We're building a building that's too small. But we're building what we felt the Lord told us to do, so we're going to do that. If it's too small, we'll expand it after we get there. And it's built to expand. We'll never need to buy another piece of property, Ever. Until Jesus comes, 16 acres is, is good. So I hear this and I realize, oh. very dear friend of mine um, uh, had a horrible backslide. Pastor. And uh, you don't know him. So don't try to figure it out. 
It's not here. It's not here. And I realized that as the enemy took him out, he's still alive, praise God, repentant and all that, but, you know, church is hammered. Hundreds of people have left. Marriages maybe get restored, maybe it'll recover, I don't know. Kids are hammered. It's adultery. I thought, that'll never happen to me. But, you know, I recall the conversation I was having with him years ago. He said the same thing. That'll never happen to me. We all, they all say the same thing. They all say, Puh, I'll never do that. And I have that in my heart. I'll never do that. That'll never happen to me. I've got no plans for that. Amen. I've got plans not for that. And as I said so many times before, I like doing autopsies, spiritually speaking. And so I'm in the process of an autopsy. I will tell you that part of me just wants to haul off and slap it. And maybe I will when I get the chance. Maybe I will. I, I don't know. Get a spirit of slap on, come upon me. I'm, I'm, I'm angry. Part of me is angry. The other part of me is so grieving and sad over it. I thought, how? How in God's name for 15 minutes or whatever it is can you destroy your whole life? You want to tell me how you could do that? Who in their right mind would flush their entire destiny down the, down the water shaft for that? Must have a devil on them or something. I want to know. So I'm in an interview process. I'm, trying, I'm figuring it out. They all say the same thing. They all say the same thing. You want to know what they say? You, know, neither why, well, you want to know why I'm going to share it with you? So that you finish the race. They all say the same thing. I started having these feelings. And I was ashamed. And I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody. And you know, I've got a lot of authority. I mean, you're over thousands of people. You know, you get to a position where you're over thousands of people. And you start getting weird, right? So he says, I, I just, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't talk to anybody because I, I really didn't have anybody around. That's a lie. See, really, you just had so much pride, you weren't willing to embarrass yourself. And so then what begins to happen is those thoughts begin to, to stir, and the enemy starts getting involved. And before you know it, you start taking action. Come on, James talks about that. Thoughts then become action, but leads to the very thing, and it becomes death. Then he messed up a little bit, should have ratted himself out and wasn't the full-blown thing, but he didn't. And it ate at him, and ate at him. Devil got involved, I'm sure. Started putting some demonic energy on that thing. And before you know it, it's the right set of circumstances, the perfect setup for him, and wham! And now you have a decimated church, a decimated marriage, two marriages decimated, and a man who might not ever make it to restor restoration, I'm going to tell you, a nationwide anointing on his life. And I stand before you. I want you to finish. We've got something to do here. And if you think that you can just waltz through in some lackadaisical, half-holy walk, you will be picked off. Say, so what about you, Pastor? I have principles in place. And I will not violate them. I have this healthy fear of the Lord. And I, 
I backslid a lot in my early walk. And I, I'm almost done. I backslid a lot in my early walk. You know what I mean? I wasn't a leader or anything. I just come and just like decide to backslide. I just backslide. It'd be so painful to come back to the Lord. And I, I, I've seen a number of these total destruction things that I don't know, the Lord put something in my heart and, and there was an encounter I had with, at, at, at an altar. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. The Lord put this in my heart that I'm never going back. To what God delivered me from. I, I will ne- I can't, I'm never going back, God. I'm never going back. And I don't think about going back. I'm not going back to the hell holy dragged me out of. But there's very clear principles that if you don't follow them, you will end up going back. And David, a man after God's own heart, even becoming king and, 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 and conquering Jerusalem and then wiping out the Jebusites, so much so that they left their idols. In other words, he whooped on the sun so bad that they gave up on their gods. That's what that means. They're like, I guess the, our gods don't work. And that, that's what happened to them. David, man after God's own heart, sinned with Bathsheba. How do you do that? He broke the hedge. He broke the walls down, that protection. In the springtime, when kings go out to war, David stayed home. Listen, keep yourself in the cutting edge walk of faith. Be in the right place at the right time. Don't be where you're supposed to, not supposed to be. Fool's goal where angels fear to tread. Be where you're supposed to be. Taking steps of faith, tithing, obeying. Living right for God. There's, some, there's a cutting edge protection that comes from taking steps of faith and from serving. Some of you don't serve. Some of you have no, you, you don't serve at any capacity in the church. I rebuke you. It's not biblical. It's not right. Get off your duff and start doing something for Jesus. Why? Because we need help in the church? Well, we do need help. Yes. But that's not the main reason. That's not the main reason. Because God will raise somebody else up if you don't do it. That's not the main reason. The main reason is you need to serve. Because when you serve, there comes a corresponding anointing and protection upon you when you do it. And when you don't, you violate biblical principles that actually, even though you're saved, put you in a position of really sinning before the Lord. I don't feel like I would... That's short for shut up, but my wife's not here, so I can say it. Shh. No, listen, sometimes you need to tell yourself to zip it. Get serving. Amen. David wasn't out at, the, at war where he should have been. He sent Joab, and he sent all these guys, you know, Joab, this way, I'm going to tag that guy, that guy, all those mighty men. He sent them off to war. So there's nobody around him to tell him to sit down. He doesn't have anybody around him with the shut up card. He has a, he's surrounded himself with yes men. Listen, don't surround you with people that'll just yes you. Surround yourself with people that got enough guts and gumption to say, you know something? I don't think that's God, and I think you ought to sit down. They're not afraid of hurting your feelings. I've preached this before. These are hedges of protection. You got my, my friend that wiped out, yeah, he didn't do that. He had nobody that would stand up in his face and say, knock it off. What are you doing? Why are you counseling with her by yourself behind a closed door? That's not God. Stop that. He didn't have that. So that didn't happen. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. He sent the people away. David sent them away. The third thing is the ark and all the priests were out at war. The prayer covering, the protection, the worship for David doesn't exist. 
We have something to fulfill in this state, something that I believe that God is counting us for, for the United States of America. Listen, I really believe that. I'm not here because this is my job. This is not a job for me. This is something that God's called me to. And if it means death, so be it. I'm not going to back off. We're not going to quit. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to give. We're going to see a revival come to Alaska. We're going to see it come. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be casualties. There will be casualties. But for the love and the grace of God, it won't be me. I, I, I'm not going to have I'm setting my life up, and I'm going I'm to keep it that way. My wife's helping me, amen, and I'm helping her. I'm trying to help you. If you think you can't blow it, you're wrong. You already did. You're filled with pride, and you're mistaken. David was not at war, not at the place where he should be. He wasn't serving. Secondly, he sent all the people away that was, would, should have told him, to, hey, David, that's, that is, that's Uriah's wife, bro. That's one of your men. Bone, remember? Bone of my bone. Remember? Covenant relationship. That's one of your homies. What are you going to go take his wife? Dude, dude, snap out of it. You've been looking too long. Look, if you, if you look too long, you're on a hook real strong, brother. Ma'am, ladies, brethren. The third thing, they sent the ark. They sent the presence of the Lord and all the priests, and everybody's out there at war worshiping God. And where is the David that said, one thing I will seek after? He obviously wasn't seeking after that one thing that time, was he? Seeking after something else. The worship and the prayer covering, you need, you need that. And listen, I'm going to tell you, uh, and I've heard this now three times. Give me five more minutes, I'm done. I was in, I was, uh, I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was at a conference. How many of you know where Baton Rouge is? It's an awesome conference. How many of you know New Orleans is not too far from there? I've always wanted to go to New Orleans, and I always want to eat some of that New Orleans food. Come on, somebody say, mmm. I wanted to eat some of that spicy, man, I wanted to go downtown New Orleans and, and look at those famous streets I've seen and eat at some amazing restaurant. I was all by myself. I finished a conference. I run into this guy. Conference is over, but he's kind of getting their materials and walking around and dispersing, clatching flights and stuff. I run into this guy. He says, hey, Pastor Bracken, what are you doing? I said, oh, I fly out tomorrow morning. He says, what are you doing tonight? I said, well, I'm staying at a hotel near New Orleans, and I'm just going to go and just have a meal downtown New Orleans. He says, oh, that's, yeah, you don't want to do that. I thought, yeah, I do. He says, no, no, you really don't want to do that. And he walks, well, hey, man, bless you. He walks off. I go, whatever. I run into somebody else. Hey, pastor, what are you doing? Oh, I'm staying in a hotel. I'm going to eat down. I'm going to eat food in New Orleans. The guy says, that's no place for a man of God. I thought, man, two in a row? So now I'm thinking, whoop, whoop, whoop. we're starting to have a little, we're getting a couple SOSs going off. I'm thinking, but I really want to go downtown New Orleans and grind some, come on, some crawfish and stuff. Yeah. I'm riding with the guy in the car who's bringing me to the hotel, and he said, what are you doing tonight? I said, well, you know, we can check in, and then I'm going to New Orleans, and he goes, no, oh, no, 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 don't do that. I said, now three times within the span of an hour. I've got three men of God that I respect are telling me, don't do it. So I'm like, dude. He said, no, really, tell me you're not going. I said, he said, you don't go there alone. That's not where you go alone. I said, all right, all right, all right. I'm bombed. 
I mean, I, do you know what I mean? Kind of like, I'm bummed. Anybody really want to do something and like, uh-uh, not allowed. You know what I mean? That's how you know you're submitted when you don't do the thing that your flesh just totally wants to do. And, I, and, and, and like, it doesn't seem bad except for I've got these three witnesses and the spirit going, stay in the room. Man, I always wanted to go. And so I, he says, tell me you're not going. And I go, and this is God. I said, yeah, I, I'm not going. I won't go. And I decided I'm not going. I get up to my room. I look at my phone. It's totally blown up. Does anybody know what that means? It's my mother. My mother. My mother has blown my phone up. Call me, call me, call me, call me, call me. You know, call me, call me. I'm like, wow, relax. I mean, I'm not even in my room yet. So I call. She says, where are you? I said, I'm in New Orleans. She says, what are you doing? I said, Mom, I'll call you in a second. I got to get into my room. So I hang up. I get into my room. I settle in. I'm like, all right, I'm going to worship Jesus tonight. Catch my plane in the morning. I call her. She says, what is going on with you right now? I want to know what's going on with you. I said, Mom, I'm fine. She says, where are you? I said, I'm in New Orleans. Where exactly? I said, I'm in a hotel. What are you doing? I said, I just finished a conference, Mom, and I'm in my room. She says, I have not been in intercession like this for you since before you were saved. What are you doing? I said, Mom, thank God for Holy Ghost-filled mothers. I said, I know what it's about. I've made plans to go to New Orleans. She says, that's not God. I said, I know. And I'm not going. I had repeated confirmation I'm supposed to stay home. You're staying home. Give me your word. I said, I'm staying in the hotel room. She goes, Oh, thank God. Okay, fine. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for my son. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, it's late back east, right? I mean, it's, it was late for her. I didn't go to New Orleans. I've heard over and over, Wally, you gave me the word. I had somebody else call me. I've had repeated people call and say, Dude, you need a greater prayer covering over you. And so I'm taking that for the word of the Lord. So what am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to pray for me. I'm asking you to pray for all of our pastors, Pastor Vince, Minister Ava, all of their families. I'm asking you to pray for our staff every single day. Why? Just because the battle's just a little hot. Ain't nothing wrong, and it's not going to be anything wrong because we're going to stay under the covering of God. We're going to stay on our knees, and we're going to see a great revival ensue. But don't you think for one second that the devil wouldn't want to hit you upside your head or try, God, you know, try to take me. I'm not being taken out. I've got no fear about it at all. I'm also not stupid. So when you hear from three prophets basically saying, um, dude, you need more prayer. I'm like, Amen. I'm going to go with that. I need more prayer. So I'm asking you. I'm asking you for more prayer for me, my wife, my kids. And you say, well, how do I remember? To, every time you sit down, to, here's, here's, here's a principle. Every time you sit down, would you do this? You sit, how many of you pray over your food? You pray? There's only like half of you pray over your food. What's wrong with you? Sometimes I'm like three bites in. Lord, bless it. I mean, pray over your food. Raise your hand if you pray over your food. Pray over your food, and I humbly ask you, please, would you please, would you please, after you pray for your food, throw a five-second, and God, bless Pastor Bracken and all of our pastors, Pastor Karen. Lord, protect them, bless them, use them. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Would you do that? Would you? Would you do that, please? Okay, you know why? Because I think we're about to see the greatest harvest we have ever seen. Ever. 
ever. And I want you to know that I pray for you every single day. I pray for this congregation, many of you by name, as the Holy Spirit brings your face to, rem to remembrance. We need to be a people of prayer. If you can be in our morning times of prayer, you get there. I'm going to tell you, heaven's coming down. 7 to 8 o'clock in the morning, Monday through Saturday. Hallelujah. The 8 o'clock prayer meeting is here on Sunday morning. We now have Monday. Stand up on your feet. Come on, someone say, I'm going to do it. Come on, I'm going to fulfill my purpose. Say it. I'm going to fulfill my purpose in the earth. Say it again. I will fulfill my purpose. Say it one more time. Ready, set, go. Say it like you mean it. One, two, three, go. I will fulfill my purpose. Say it again. I will fulfill my purpose by the grace of God. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you're in this place tonight, and you're not right with God. Don't you leave this place without being reconciled to Him. Don't leave this place without being made right. There's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. If that's you, want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to Him all across this place, those online, those by podcast. You say, that's me, Pastor Bracken. Then go ahead, lift your hand high. Where are you? Lift your hand high. You want to get right with God? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty right there. Thank you for your honesty. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, pray this right out loud. Those online, come on, pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. and Make me new. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Uh, Wally, would you come and just share briefly? Because I, I want to be sensitive to people's time, so we're going to close. But would you share briefly what the Lord spoke to you? I'm just... We're, we're putting together something that we're working on it today, some 24 hours a day, somebody's going to be praying for the pastors of the church. And you'll have like 15-minute segments. That's all you're going to do. You can lay in bed and do it. You don't have to get out of bed. But nonstop, we're going to be praying for them. Because I believe that God has set these men in place for a purpose, and that purpose is bigger than you and I can ever imagine. There's a revival that's hitting this church right now. It's already hitting it. It's here. We're not going to it. It's here. It's happening. So now we have to protect it. We want God to take it to another level. His level. Beyond man's understanding. The supernatural. And that's only going to happen when we start getting serious about prayer. We had an awesome time in prayer this morning. Oh, my goodness gracious. I was so wound up. Oh, it was awesome, wasn't it? Oh, man, it's great. But anyway, we're going to have it ready Sunday morning. Is that right, Pastor? And that's what we're going to institute. And uh, if we have to have, if we double it up and there's going to be two people praying every 15 minutes, praise the Lord, that's even more powerful. Amen? All right, so if you're interested in that, I guess you could see Wally or... And John. John's going to help me with it right there. John, see John? He's part of it. He's going to help with it. We're going to have a sign-up sheet back there. We'll have the pastor announce it, that it's there. Either that or we'll pass it 
through the church, one or the other. Amen. Amen. And I'm, I just, I just humbled myself before you to tell you, I, I just know I need more prayer. So I hope you hear that the way that it's coming across. Yeah. And everything's good. Everything's good. It's more than good. It's great. And the way it's going to stay great is by praying. And we need to pray for each other and just be a house of prayer. Wally. Let's pray for him right now. Amen. <laughs> Prayer of the righteous person availeth much. That means when you pray, heaven moves and hell moves. No questions asked. That is what happens. We have the power to move both of them because Jesus Christ died on that cross for that purpose. So we pray for these men. Believe. Don't just pray a prayer. Pray believing that God's moving. Amen? Father, I lift these, these family up to you right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, each and every one of them, Father. And those that are represented that aren't here, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I ask you to touch them, Father, with your glory, Father. Put a veil of protection about them, the blood of Jesus Christ, Father. Anoint them beyond their understanding, wisdom, knowledge, and peace of God, Father, upon him and his family, his wife, Father. The glory of God, Father, beyond his understanding, Father. We ask for more of you, Father. We ask for your angels to surround about them, Father. We ask for your blood to engulf them in your presence, Father. We ask for fresh visions, Father. Dreams, Father, beyond their understanding, Father. Father, we ask for your protective angels to stand guard about this church, about their families, Father. Set up a, set up a, a barrier, Father. We thank you for your warring angels that are driving back the gates of hell that will try to hinder or to hold back the move of God that's taking place here, Father. Father, I thank you for their obedience, Father. I ask you to surround them with your love now. Engulf them in that presence, Father. I praise you for them, Father, and I praise you for every person that's in this body, Father. I ask you to just anoint each and every person here, Father. Pour out your glory upon them, Father. Cause them to have dreams of you and visit you to this night, Father. Let your glory fall upon them, Father. Father, I thank you for your gift of healing, Father. The gift of miracles, Father. The gift of prophecy, Father. I thank you for your gifts that are rising up in this body, moving mightily to set the kingdom of God forth. For your glory, Father. Let them become kingdom-minded people, Father. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take someone by the hand as we close tonight. Thank you for allowing me just to, you know, be real, be myself, and I wouldn't know who else to be. So I'm not even sure how I ended up doing what we're doing. Just kept saying yes, just like you all are doing. We see a great move of God. Can you say amen? More than ever before, I know it's a team. It is a team that works together. We're going to see it happen. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Bless your people now. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us, O oh God. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name. Oh, and I pray for my dear friend. And I pray for that church, God. That you would help them. That you would heal the marriage. 
you would intervene, God, even tonight. The different ones that are there to help put pieces back together. I pray for an anointing. I pray for miracles and an outbreak of God. Lord, grace abounds with her sin. Lord, let the abounding grace of Almighty God be upon that church. And we thank and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you. We love you. Praise God. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.